Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from the letter that He wrote to us. Hello and God bless you. Welcome into the study today. We're very glad to have you. We're going to be picking it up in Hosea chapter 2 verse 20 here in just a moment. Now Hosea in the Hebrew means salvation and that's exactly what we're seeing in this book is God's plan for salvation for his children. How he plans on even though they've gone whoring along with their idols he still has that plan to bring them back to him and not to let them slip away and continue in that idolatry. Now, as we get to verse 20 here, leading up to this, God's really laid it out there that, you know, he he loves his people and his children are just completely ignoring him and all the blessings that he's been giving his children, they're just turning and throwing them at other gods, small g, and sacrificing to idols and anything that God has given them that has increased them or helped them at all, they're not giving him any any part of mine. But they're going on with their little golden calves and their little teraphim and all this stuff. Now, in verse 20, we see this, this reception of his people back to him. We ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. Hosea chapter 2, verse 20, and it reads, I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord. That's what he wants. He wants us to know him. Why is that? You know, the more you get to know somebody, the more that trust builds, the more faith you have in them, the more that you can love them on a deeper level. When we get to this sixth chapter of this book, you'll see that God says, I don't want your burnt offerings. I don't want your sacrifices. He said, I want your love. That's the one thing that God cannot force. Because if he were to force it, it wouldn't be a true love. It would be a false love, a fake love. And that's all he wants from us, is that we know him and learn of him and love him. Verse 21. And it shall come to pass in that day, I will hear, saith the Lord, I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth. And the earth shall hear the corn, and the wine, and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. Now remember, this Jezreel is a play on Israel, and it means to sow or to scatter. And that's exactly what's happened, is that God has scattered those ten northern tribes. The Assyrians came in, took them captive, and then they went north, migrated north over the Caucasus Mountains into Europe, and eventually across the Atlantic into America and Canada. They are scattered everywhere, but they've been sowed in these countries where they might be useful, that remnant, that elect that's out here around the whole world right now to be able to stand as a witness for God. Those that have the seals of God in their forehead and don't waver, they won't be, they won't be moved around or go and believe this thing and go and believe this thing because they are firm set in the truth of God. Verse 23, And I will sow her unto me in the earth, 
and I will have mercy upon her that had not attained mercy. And I will say to them which were not my people, Thou art my people. And they shall say, Thou art my God. That's what he wants, is for us to know that he is the true God. And to not, not go around practicing idolatry. <clears throat> All right, chapter 3 and verse 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. Now, at this point, this is not Gomer, and the belief is that Gomer had died by this point. And the second marriage has its own special uh, signification. So, verse 2, So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an omer of barley and half omer of barley. Now, that is the price of the redemption of a slave. And if you look at the world, if you, and spiritually, until we were redeemed by Christ's blood shed on that cross, then we were under the, the slavery of sin. <clears throat> but through that price paid, we've been redeemed. We can receive that salvation that you just... As it says in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe upon him would receive everlasting life. Verse 3, And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. Now, this word abide in the Hebrew is yashab. And it means sequestered. Like they don't have the opportunity. That's, this is those who were chosen before the foundations of the earth. And God has pulled them and has set them in stone. Their names are written in the book of life. As it says in the book of Romans, um, chapter 8. We'll move over there just so I don't misquote this. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. From whom, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And that's what this is talking about here are those who were predestinated. He sequestered them. He, they do not have the choice because they were chosen before the foundations of the earth to stand and allow this truth to come down through the generations and not to waver into idolatry. Verse 4, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, and without teraphim. All these little false things are going to be gone. Why is that? It's because they're true teachers, not these that are just tickling the ears and, you know, read a little verse here, read a little verse there, take it out of context, you know, put the bunnies in there and fertility rites and say, oh, it's okay. It, you know, it is not hurting anything. Even though God said, I'm against that. 
These true teachers are standing up and they won't allow any of that fluff in here. Verse 5. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. That means after this dispensation. All right, verse 4. I mean, chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth nor mercy nor knowledge of God in the land. Did you hear that? He has a controversy because there's no knowledge of God in the land. Naturally, if you don't have the knowledge of God, you don't have truth. And if you don't have that truth and that knowledge, you're not going to have mercy. Verse 2. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. That means murder follows murder. This is both physical and spiritual. You think of all the idolatry that goes on, and you know, it don't have to be a golden calf. It don't have to be a big old stone whittled into something. It can be something as simple as a job or a car. Or a house. Anything that gets placed above God becomes an idol. Verse 2. No, we got verse 2. Verse 3. Therefore shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish. With the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven, yea, uh, yea the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Those blessings are going to leave. If, that, if the nation departs from God, and God will pull his blessings. Verse 4. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another. For thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day. And the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night. And I will destroy thy mother. Let's talk about mother Israel. Verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, what destroys his children? The lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. He don't want, if you don't have the knowledge of God, he don't want you to even sing praises to him. Because you, it, 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 even though it sounds so holy and sounds so religious, it's all jumbled up with idolatries with false religions that sound so good, they sound so sweet, but it never gets around to really getting into God's truth and bringing that knowledge which brings us closer to him. Continuing on. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. Now, there's something on this verse you got to understand. This part where it says, therefore, will I change their glory into shame. In the original manuscripts, that's not the way that's written. It should be, therefore, will they change my glory into shame. And the original writers didn't want to put that in there that way because they felt it was sacrilegious to say that God's glory be turned to shame. But what it is is what he's meaning by that is he was blessing them and they were they were increasing and they were being blessed by him and they sinned against him meaning they turned to these idols and went to worshiping 
idols and sacrificing to idols like these cows or something were doing all the blessing. And so the glory that should have been given to God was given to these idols and it became shame. <clears throat> Verse 8, they eat up the sin of my people and they set their heart on their iniquity. And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them their doings. You know, God is just in all things. A lot of people get nervous whenever you start talking about judgment day. Well, judgment can go either way. It can be good and you get rewards or it can be punishment. It's all in the individual, all in what they've done. <clears throat> verse 4, I mean, verse 10. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. There's no understanding here. They've gone out here and they, they play in the harlot and they're getting drunk on all this idolatry and they don't understand. They don't have the seals of God in their heart, in their forehead, and they've lost that understanding to know right from wrong. They think what they're doing is so holy and so righteous, but it's completely opposite of that. Verse 12, my people ask counsel at their stocks and their staff declareth unto them for the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err and they have gone a whoring from under their God. Just out here running around all these little different little gods, these pagan ways, chasing the buck here, going out here and putting this car up here above God. <clears throat> Verse 13. They sacrifice upon the tops of the mountains and burn incense upon the hills under oaks and poplars and elms because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore, your daughters shall commit whoredom and your spouses shall commit adultery. Now, what this is talking about is they set up all these different sacrificial places, all these altars that God didn't ordain. But they'd look out there and go, oh, we're in the middle of a desert. Hey, there's a, there's a nice tree. There's a nice big tree that's cool to be under. Oh, well, this little, little God over here must have put that there for an offering place. Let's go over here and offer our sacrifices. And naturally, what that does is leads to whoredom and adultery, which if you take this from God's standpoint, is idolatry. Verse 14. I will not punish your daughters when they commit whoredom, nor your spouses when they commit adultery. For themselves are separated with whores. They sacrifice with harlots. Therefore, the people that doth, that doth not understand shall fall. <clears throat> and when it talks about they shall sacrifice with harlots, that should pique your mind right there to Revelation. That great harlot. That one that comes in with that world religion that looks so holy and oh man it's just it's there's christ christ is here he's returned we're fixing to fly out of here it's all good and all of a sudden the true christ shows up and this harlot has led all of these astray and they're into worshiping satan the antichrist verse 15 though thou israel play the harlot yet let not judah offend and come not ye unto gilgal Neither go ye up to Bethavin, nor swear the Lord liveth. 
Now that is getting pretty rough right there. When he said, don't swear, the Lord liveth. He said, don't even put me in your conversations. Just go on over there. You, you want to play the harlot, go be a harlot. Verse 16, for Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. And basically, this just means the lands of the heathen. And uh, this is talking about when he scatters them. 17, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Ephraim being the largest tribe of the ten northern tribes. Typically, when you see this, instead of saying Israel, he's talking about these ten northern tribes as separate from Judah. Verse 18, their drink is sour, and they have committed whoredom continually. Her rulers with shame do love. Give ye. They, let's see, the wind hath bound her up in her wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. So what's going to happen here is that they're going to get caught red-handed. At that day, when Christ comes back as a thief, they're going to be out here worshiping the Antichrist, thinking they're doing good. And all of a sudden, they're giving their sacrifices unto him. They're giving their love to him. And all of a sudden, Christ is going to come back, and they're going to be ashamed. It's going to take the wind right out of their sails. All right, chapter 5 and verse 1. Hear ye this, O priest, and hearken ye, house of Israel, and give ye ear. O house of the king, for judgment is toward you, because ye have been a snare on Mizpah, and a net spread upon Tabor. Now this Mizpah is a, simple, uh, is a symbol of keeping apart, uh, not of meeting again. Um, so what it's saying is that they've been a snare there. They've been a trap. And the revolters are profound to make slaughter though I have been a rebuker of them all. I know Ephraim and Israel is not hid from me. For now, O Ephraim, thou committest whoredom, and Israel is defiled. <clears throat> they set up these golden calves. They're out here doing all this, and, what, and it's caused the entire nation to slip into idol worship. Verse 4, They will not frame their doings to turn into their God, for the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. As we just covered, God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Verse 5, and the pride of Israel doth testify to his face. Therefore shall Israel and Ephraim fall in their iniquity. Judah also shall fall with them. You see, the ten northern tribes got taken captive by the Assyrian, and whenever he pulled up to Jerusalem, he was about to take them over, but he got to boasting a little too much. He got to placing himself in a position where he was saying that he was stronger than God, that he was mightier than God. And Hezekiah went and laid the letters out, and he said, God, this is, this is what they're saying. They're saying they're stronger than you. And the Assyrian overstepped his boundaries right then. He just, he, he's, he got a little too big for his britches. And God turned him around. They heard a rumor. They turned around. And God slayed 180,000 that night. But 
the Babylonian Nebuchadnezzar did come in and take over Jerusalem, take over Judah, because they continued to backslide. <clears throat> Verse 6. They shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from them. He just fed up with it. He don't want to be, you know, if it's not pure, if it's not your love is with him, well then, why be there? Verse 7, they have dwelt treacherously against the Lord. For they have begotten strange children. Now shall a month devour them with their portions. And what this is meaning is this short time is going to cause them, uh, is going to complete their dispossession. It's going to be, they're going to be taken over that quick. And if you look at 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 13, you see that Shalom, he only reigned a month and it was done. Verse 8, blow ye the cornet in Gibeah, and the trumpet in Ramah. Cry aloud at Bethaven after thee, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke among the tribes of Israel. Have I made known that which shall surely be. The princes of Judah were like them that removed the bound. Therefore, I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. They got in here and they just started making their own religions. They started following these false religions. And God is infuriated by that. Ephraim is oppressed, verse 11, Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked after the commandment. Now, what this is talking about, the, it's talking about the idolatrous commandments of Jeroboam. They followed right along with what Jeroboam did in putting up those calves, instead of rebelling against that and knocking that in the head, just putting it down and going to Jerusalem to offer their sacrifices to God, they went right along with going to these calves. Verse 12, Therefore will I be unto Ephraim as a moth, and to the house of Judah as rottenness. When Ephraim saw his sickness, and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian, and sent to King Jerob. Yet could he not heal you, nor cure you of your wound. And what this is talking about is that Jerob uh, may have been the birth name of Sargon II, which is the successor of uh, Shalmaneser. And Shalmaneser did not take Samaria, but his successor did. And you can find this on a uh, inscription that in a palace, which is near Nineveh. And what this does is, is gets rid of several hypotheses as to the meaning of Jerem, besides explaining, you know, the historical difficulty. Verse 14. For I will be unto Ephraim as a lion, and as a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will take away, and none shall rescue him. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. And you see, what he's saying is he's going to pull the blessings. He's going to put them in bondage. 
And eventually they're going to wake up and go, you know, we had a lot better whenever we loved God. We had a lot better when we were learning of God and seeking the knowledge of God to do his commandments, not the commandments of man or idols or sticks or calves or any other thing. And they'll realize that those blessings are being pulled, so they'll turn unto God, which is what he wants. And again, they will come back to him and offer their love to him that he too will show his face to them. <clears throat> All right, we'll pick it up in chapter 6, verse 1 in the next study. God bless y'all. You have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691, or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.